Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Welcome one and all for the 11th time to Triple Threat Theater. My name is Ryan Miller. I'm Joe Daxberger. We're back again, Dax. Hey, Millsy. How's it going? Oh, it's good. You know, watching movies. Mm-hmm. Preparing to talk Re- about them. Ready to rock. <laughs> a genre we've dabbled in a little before. Comedy. True. True. little coming of age in there. Very uh, much so. A little sex comedy in there. Yes. Um, hearkening back to some of the stuff we talked about on episode four, Love in the Age of Science. Correct. Um, <clears throat> so the theme of this episode is raging hormones. It is. You want to tell, tell the, the people, people what we're what we're going to be talking about? I do. Well, first up, Mills, we have 1981's mm-hmm. Porky's. Yep. We have 1984. Yep. Not the movie 1984. No. 1984's <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. Yes, we do. And 1990's Ski School. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had seen none of these before. Really? Yeah. Did um, I pick these or did you pick these? This was, I think, my idea to do okay. these. Partially because, you know... Uh, I feel like Revenge of the Nerds and Porky's are movies that I've been like wanting to see for a long time. Mm-hmm. I feel like this genre has never, I mean, aside from the fact that I have a deep love affair with the original American Pie and that entire series, honestly. Yes. Um, like Big that, favorite of yours. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that movie and that franchise has always, it's it's like those movies filled this particular spot in my heart and like I never felt a desire to go back for more because I didn't see Animal House in its entirety until you know long after like even graduating from college um and I had you know never seen Meatballs until a few years ago mm-hmm. until just now hadn't seen Porky's hadn't seen Revenge of the Nerds I think I tossed Ski School in there just because you know I had heard it referenced among those I don't know if it's considered a classic like <laughs> these are the other two are or were for this episode but right we'll get into it I'm sure yeah so yeah I don't know just uh you know like I know a lot of people my age were really big into Van Wilder when that came out and I never really mm. cared about that yeah see I would say cuz I graduated high school in 2000 so at the time it was American Pie same deal I remember like can't hardly wait mm-hmm. was a big one. Yeah, I had seen that I think at the I I mean it's been a long time. That's the one where the dude's trapped in the bathroom, right? Correct. Yeah. Seth Green is right. in the bathroom. There's a whole cast of characters in that one. But American Pie in that cuz uh, particularly f- because you know 
those came out at the same, like I was the same age as the characters in those movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm those stuck out quite a bit for me. Yeah, Van Wilder is something I never really got into. I think I saw that after the fact. Yeah. Um, I actually, I've seen Revenge of the Nerds many times. That oh. was one of like, probably the movies in the household. It might've been one of the like taped over VHSs we had in a box, you know, that we've just was around forever. I've seen that plenty of times mm-hmm. when I was pretty young. I haven't seen it in decades at this point. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw that. I was certainly too young to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Cause a lot of that stuff went over my head. But, um, what about Porky's? Yeah. Had you seen that before? Well, interestingly enough, so Porky's I was sure I had seen. Because even as the the run-up to this episode, I was like, I was like, God, have I seen Porky's 1? I was like, I think so. Because I know I saw Porky's 2 with the alien in it. And then What? <laughs> well, as I got closer to when I finally watched Porky's, I was like, wait. Are you thinking of meatballs? Because there's an alien in one of the meatballs that's, movies. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. <laughs> so I knew, you know, I've always known there was a Porky's franchise and a meatballs. But for whatever reason, during this, I, it just never correlated that, you know, Porky's was a different thing. So you're familiar with meatballs? You've seen those? I or? know I've seen meatballs too, because I remember okay. the alien from when I was a kid, but another one I haven't seen in decades. I'm not sure if I've seen meatballs one, and I have not seen Porky's until now. Okay. Uh, Jesse and I reviewed uh, meatballs a couple years ago on the Sidetrack podcast, and I mean, I remember imagery from it. I remember, you know, Bill Murray's in there, but um, like this definitely, like I, you know, long after I had picked these movies and, you know, we were getting ready to do this episode, I was looking at some lists online of like top 20 sex comedies of all time or whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't really have a recollection of Porky's being a quote unquote sex comedy necessarily. I, I feel like that one was like more innocent and with like the kids in it were younger, like, cause it was a summer camp. So I guess it was kids of all ages. And Porky, Porky's or meatballs? Meatballs. Meatballs. Okay. Did I say Porky's? You did. Okay. That's yeah. Okay. But meatballs. Uh, but, I mean, if I, it just, I don't know. It doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't fit, but I also don't remember. Maybe there's boobs in that movie that I'm just forgetting. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I just remember meatballs is a thing and there's an alien in it. Yeah. Meatballs too. <laughs> I've then, read about that. And uh, yeah. I think one of them has like, there's like an angel that they're trying to help get into heaven or some kind of crazy shit like that. And like meatballs three, maybe. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know. I remember Furious, <laughs> furiously writes down meatballs three for a later <laughs> trifecta. I remember at the time when Jesse and I reviewed the first one, I was reading about those and I could not believe the premises that I was reading for the later oh. ones. You'll have to look into that one Mills. <laughs> but uh, So in addition to that, then we have ski school. Yeah. Which I was like, ah oh, man, I haven't seen ski school in forever. I was like, this will be fun. Sit down to watch that one. I was like, nope. Never <laughs> seen this. I'm thinking of Ski Patrol. <laughs> I've never seen that a, either. There's another 1990s ski movie. <laughs> uh, we could have done three ski films, Ski School, oh. Ski Patrol, and I'm sure we could have found another one. Well, we'll have to, you know, we're pretty good at, we're even though this is only our 11th episode, we're pretty good at coming up with these trifectas. So I'm sure we could do some work <laughs> and make them fit somewhere. Yeah, ski school. I feel like you know, I Porky's and Revenge of the Nerds. I feel like people have you know 
again, they're, they're like beloved films. They're, they're, they're movies that people love and have rewatched in their youth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ski School, I feel like I've always heard talked about as just like a, like a kind of crappy second rate one of these kind of movies, which, you know, may or may not be the case when we talk about it later in the mm-hmm. episode. Sure. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that one in there for a little variety. You know, it comes a little later. It's like a different, a little bit of a different era yeah. from the early 80s uh, that the other two came out in. It all fits. It was a good call. Yeah. I'm with it. I'm in it to win it. But in general, could do you think you could say, like, are you a, f- a fan of these kind of movies? Is there any part of you that, like, generally gets enjoyment out of, like, the sex comedies or likes to watch them or has a uh, desire to see more of them? I don't know if I really have the des- It feels like... Not so much, you know. I would I would say these haven't aged well, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Yeah. Across the board. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, like I said, American Pie was big. I love it's funny, I need to like see those again too, to see how like those sit now. Mm-hmm. Can't hardly wait, like you know, American Pie, like uh super bad even, mm-hmm. you know. Those yeah. are like the more modern ones. Mm-hmm. Which I'm I just care. I mean, I don't I don't shy away from anything, so sure. But it's it certainly wouldn't be if I was like, "What's your top three genres? Top five? <laughs> it's hmm. not up there. Dystopian science fiction, romantic drama, and sex comedy. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know you love American Pie so much that yeah, I've rewatched the, the all, of, all of those movies within like the last year and a half. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan. Now, would you say of the genre or just American Pie? Just of American Pie. Like I said, I mean, I hadn't seen like any of these movies until I was in my 20s, you know, like again, Animal House, Porky's, Revenge of the Nerds, uh, you know, Ski School, if you want to throw that in there, Meatballs, Mm -hmm. like never, never like, you know, leaned towards those kind of movies or sought them out or was particularly interested in them. Van Wilder, I still don't think I've seen the whole way through. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, just American Pie was like right, right place, right time. Uh, my dad took my sister and I to see that the summer that it came out while we were at the beach, and I it's love just that like you remember that. Oh yeah, um, I don't, I, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but um, you know, we go to the my family goes to the beach every year, and my dad took my sister and I to see it. And there was this big group. I remember it in my mind being like 12 kids, like sitting outside on the curb outside the movie theater. And we were walking up and one of them gets up and runs over to my dad and is like, hey, uh, we they won't let us buy tickets to American Pie because it's rated R. Like, will you buy tickets for us if we give you the yeah. money? And my dad actually bought tickets for this huge group of kids. Oh, no way. Again, I don't remember how many, but in my mind, it's like 12 or 14 kids that my dad nice. bought tickets for. Wow. They gave him the money to get into this movie. Um, he should have kept their change. I hope he did. <laughs> and yeah, ever since I saw that one, I just it's had a special place in my heart. The, the music and everything just takes me right back because that was like – Probably right before or right around my high school, you know, era. Um, I mean, I'm going to say it's 99. So, yeah, that would have been like my freshman year. Um, Yeah. So just, yeah, that one, right place, right time, really just, I could never dislike that movie. I just, I watch it and I get so fucking nostalgic just with the music and everything and like the Mm -hmm, style mm -hmm. of dress from the time and all that, which these other movies don't really have for me. And I know that like... Animal House is one of those films that uh, 
like at family gatherings when I was like a young kid at like my grandmother's house when like all of my uncles and all were over, like they mm-hmm. would put that movie on in the background and it would just be playing in like the living room while the family was there because I know that like my uncles loved it because they grew up in that like National Lampoon era, but like just was never my thing. So maybe it's just a generational thing. I don't know. Yeah. I think, well, I think very, especially with something like, as we'll get into, but with Porky's, I mean, I had no idea it was set in the 50s. Yeah, me neither. But filmed in the 80s. So, hey, I mean, that <clears throat> that's a decent segue. Why don't we just dive into Porky's? Let's, let's do it. Hey, what are you looking so glum about, Pee Wee? Look, man, this is getting serious. I got to get laid. I got more than a couple of weeks. I start to get jittery. In that case, you're due for a nervous breakdown. Oh, funny, Tommy. <laughs> Real funny. I don't know what we can do. If he strikes out with Wendy Williams, there's nothing left but ham hocks. Nah, Pee Wee's tired of ham hocks. Yeah, maybe there's some uh, horny midget out there just eating a heart out waiting for Pee Wee. Come on, Meat. I'm serious now. Just trying to help. What we need here is some professional help. What are you talking about? Porkies. Come on, Jarvis, don't start that stuff again, you crazy. You get your throat slit. Oh, man, all you got to do is know how to operate. Porky is a badass redneck. Right. You guys don't know how to talk redneck. Porky is a businessman. Now, listen, he just imported this whole load of Cuban rods. They're fantastic. And how do you know all this? i got sources, Turner. Now, look, he's got this room upstairs called Porky's Pin. You can party with these Cuban dancers as long as you just let them know you know what you're doing. You sure about all this? There's a bear shit in the woods. Well, let's go now. We got a game tomorrow. We need about 30 bucks a piece. 30 bucks? Yeah, but anything goes. We can go Friday night after the game. It's 70 miles out in the Everglades. We got a game Saturday night. What do you say, Turner? Me? Well, you know my motto. Give me pussy or give me death. Damn it, my boy. So, yeah, like you said, 1981, this came out and takes place in the 50s because... Um, this movie was written and directed by Bob Clark and, uh, he allegedly based the movie on like his own experiences growing up in the fifties with like his friends in school, mm-hmm. which, you know, I would love to know. I'm sure there's no actual record of this. Bob Clark is unfortunately dead. I think he died in like 2007. Um, I would love to know to what extent this is based on real life. Mm. That would be interesting, yeah. especially based on, especially what happens in the climax. But yeah, I yeah. would have to assume that all that stuff was made up. But I wonder, like, is the the Porky's bar or like strip club yeah. based on a real place? And uh-huh. did they actually have some kind of experience where they got throughout and and they like had a like a rivalry with the guy that ran the like? I want to know how much <laughs> of that stuff is real. Right, right. Um, it's kind of kind of wild this movie yeah i feel like well why don't you give us a synopsis uh basically some high school friends uh, i thought it was a little bit pro- <laughs> it'll sound weird about this movie uh, if you've seen it but i felt that it was a little bit progressive to have like the big like hunky all the girls love him jock being the same group of friends as like peewee the little dorky guy yeah. and like, you know, as far as a bunch of white guys are concerned, it's kind of a diverse group mm-hmm. until you no, get to the fact mean. that one of them is like a horrible racist and hates Jews. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so basically just a group of like five high school friends and they all, well, I think Pee Wee's the only one who's never had sex maybe, but they all want to get laid. So 
Um, there's this place in the Everglades. It's like a strip club bar called Porky's. And going into this, I did not even know that that's why the movie was called Porky's. Oh, not not a clue. Like I assumed that Porky's was almost like meatballs. Like it was the name of a club or a group or like the Goonies or something. You know, like I had yeah. no clue. Yeah, I would have never <clears throat> been able to offer me a million dollars. I never would have guessed. Oh, Porky's <laughs> is the name of a strip club. Yeah. So they all decide to go up there and, you know, go into the strip club, even though they're they're underage. And uh, they've heard tell that the uh, there's like a room upstairs. And if you pay the, the owner of the bar who goes by the name Porky because he's like a big fat redneck that uh, you can like he'll go up there and get like, you know, alone time with some of the, the strippers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they go there naive with their money. <laughs> and uh, Porky basically takes their money, tricks mm-hmm. them, and like dumps them into the swamp, and then forces them to leave. And uh, most of the group seems like they would just be fine letting that go and being like, "Well, he beat us." But one of them uh, is just like obsessed with getting revenge on Porky, and seems like every weekend he just drives up there alone, gets his ass kicked by rednecks, right. and then comes yeah. home. And then at the end, they they decide to try and hatch a scheme to go like get real revenge on let's Porky. Get their revenge. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Nothing worse than getting double crossed by some swamp hillbilly named Porky. <laughs> true, very true. But you know, in between, I feel like it's um, I, I've talked about this before on sidetracked for sure when we've discussed like some older comedies. But even things like Caddyshack, I feel like a lot of older comedies, rather than having like a a really strong plot or interesting characters, it's just like an excuse for like a a montage of skits of like funny things related to being in high school or working at a um, like a golf course or whatever. So Mm -hmm. in between the quote unquote plot, which comes and goes as it pleases, there's just like. You know, the the classic thing that I think everybody knows where the guys are like peeking through the holes in the wall at the girls in the locker room. And then right. there's this weird little side story with uh, Kim Cattrall's character, who's the female gym teacher. Yeah. And a lot of subplots in this one. Yeah. It's just like a lot of loosely connected, like sex based little mm-hmm. subplots. And then you got the whole like angry racist guy and the. Then his father, who's out of jail, mm-hmm. beats him up. So, so it, it takes, like, this movie is a comedy. Mm-hmm. But at times, it's, you know, they those parts, smaller parts are, like, kind of serious. And then when even, like, they're planning to get their revenge, I was like, I know this movie's a comedy, but I was like, are they going to go murder Porky? <laughs> or what's going what's gonna to happen exactly? That never crossed my mind. But uh, I, I will say this. So... I mentioned the huge dude. His they call him Meat, um, yes. and then the little shrimpy guy is named Pee Wee. And obviously, because they make a big point of him being Jewish, I know that the Jewish guy who joins the group is named Schwartz, Brian Schwartz. Yes, who comes in like kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, kind of kind of late in the movie, like halfway through. Mm-hmm. The other main characters, I had a real tough time remembering who was who and like picking out who was who in any given yeah. scene like honestly the racist guy when he wasn't saying racist things i didn't remember who he was like nope. visually so i'm assuming that 
he is the guy who like he and uh, the Jewish guy kind of like make up and like settle their differences by the end because mm-hmm. they're part of the same group. Like when the the drunken like uh, out of prison dad comes to the dance or whatever, right? And uh, is that is that the Jewish guy who like stands up for him or whatever? See, uh, I don't even know because like he, no, they, it's not okay. So they were just like a bunch of like generic white guys if they weren't the big dude or the small dude. So yeah. I I had trouble remembering and realizing I, who was who. I agree with you completely. It's almost impossible to follow any of those guys. Yeah. Some it helps at some points cuz a few of them at different times are in like varying levels of beaten up. Yeah. Yeah, like so, I would know who was who if there was something in the scene telling me who they were, but it's not like you yeah. got a guy named Billy, a guy named Tommy and a guy named Mickey. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't remember which guy was the one that was obsessed with taking down Porky, but I would know visually when he entered a scene because he would have like a black eye or something. Right. That's Same, that yeah. guy. But I wouldn't look at him and go, oh, that's Tommy, for, yeah. for example, no, because I'm, I didn't know who was who. I'm with you for sure. You okay. got meat, like you said, meat and peewee, and then that cast of goons. I At some point I was like, I don't even know any of these guys' names, but... Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was just me. Like, I wasn't paying enough attention or what? Oh, no. That's both of us. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm happy that this movie has added to, seems like an ongoing thing of our episodes where characters with weird nicknames, (laughs) because we've got Meat and Pee Wee to add to the list. Oh, there's a bunch more in uh, later movies, too. Oh, sure. (laughs) But, yeah, I think that just comes with, like, the gang of guys who are all buddies kind of scenarios. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, this movie, it's pretty short. 90 minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. I feel like 92. that's a prerequisite for this kind of movie. Yeah, it kind of has to be, because I, I, I go back and forth on movie length. I think maybe it just depends on the genre. Because something like this, yeah, you don't want it to go on for too long. Yeah. I like mean, I think it's movie, tough to sustain. A horror movie or a comedy, you know. I think it's tough to sustain a level of humor. Like, this is meant to be right. like a gut-busting movie, which apparently yeah. it was back when it came out. But well, uh, I don't know how you. If you can sustain that for, you know, two, two and a half hours. Oh, sure. Did you find this movie funny? Um, mm, Not really. Like, I don't... Yeah, me neither. I don't think there's ever a point where I laughed or necessarily even chuckled. I maybe smiled at something here or there. But yeah. it it definitely is like a dated kind of humor, you know. That's what I was kind of saying when when we open, like where you kind of mentioned like the generational kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That I feel with this one especially, that's just this could have been hilarious for people in the eighties. Yeah, but it it's not an eighties movie because it's in the fifties too. So mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's kind of a weird one. This is the one of the three though where. Despite the fact that it's dealing with, like, a bunch of high school students getting revenge on, like, this fat redneck guy who runs a strip club. Like, this is the one that I feel like is taken the most seriously or at least least set in the most of a real world. Oh, definitely. Um, Until you get to the end when, like, they have the whole, uh, like, the whole high school band and cheerleader squad, like, (laughs) you know, on their little prank that they're pulling. Ooh, to call it a prank is even... Yeah. A little wild, because that's straight up property damage. <laughs> True. But, um, 
like whereas Revenge of the Nerds and Ski School definitely feel like they exist in some like heightened reality where mm-hmm. it's more slapstick. And yeah. this movie, uh, Porky's, is more like uh, situational uh, humor. And for the most part, the situation is kind of realistic. Um, well, adding, to, like I was saying, adding to that, like the parts with the, the racist kid and the father, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's nothing there played for laughs. Yeah. I'll say that uh, early on, the first scene where they really push that that dude's racist when he's in the um, in the locker room and he's just thrown around, you know, misspeaking and saying kite instead of kite because he doesn't even know enough to insult someone properly. Right. Like that early scene, I was sitting there thinking like, okay, this is early 80s, but it's supposed to take place in the 50s. Like, is this just so dated that they're actually just going to let this fly and this is how the movie is? And it took me a long time to realize, okay, no, they made this guy horribly racist so that he can have like a change in the Mm -hmm. movie. Which makes it more acceptable <laughs> um, because, you know, they planned to have a character redemption for him. But early on in the movie, because of the time period and all, I was convinced that he that's just had that character and he was just going to remain a racist the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, because in the opening scene, it's it's plenty of that. Oh, well. right. When they're like walking outside, right. I was like, damn. I was yeah. like, damn. I was like, what year did this movie come out? <laughs> But then, like, this is one of those things where I'm, you know, this movie, by all accounts, it was very popular, and it's been a trendsetter and an inspiration to all these kind of movies since, along with something like Animal House, which I think yeah, it's came like, out is, in the mid-70s. Was this, was this the beginning? Porky's? I w- was this, like, kind of what started it? I would say this in Animal House, which, if I'm not mistaken, Animal House was, like, mid-70s. Okay. And yeah, was another about right. another film kind of like this. I mean, Porky's definitely took the world by storm when it came out. Up until 2006, it was the highest grossing Canadian film ever produced. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I guess huh. it's worth mentioning, uh, written and directed by Bob Clark, who uh, came to America... Uh, in the mid eighties and it's he, like, he had like a pretty noteworthy career in Canada. And then as soon as he came to America, just did like nothing. But in addition to this movie known for directing black Christmas, which is like a, uh, you know, well-known Christmas horror movie where a, uh, a Jallo style killer from like a first person point of view just kills a bunch of sorority sisters who stay at the sorority house over the holiday. Okay. And then after Porky's directed A Christmas Story. No. Yeah. Which is like one of the most beloved Christmas films of all time. That's awesome. Yeah. So like he directed those three films in addition to a couple of others in Canada. And then after he directed, I think, Porky's 2, which was, you know, after he did A Christmas Story, comes to America Mm-hmm. And does, you know, a couple things you might have heard of, like Rhinestone with uh, um, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Dolly Parton, but like not like anybody holds that movie near and dear to their heart, I think. And then just kind of wasted away the rest of his career on um, like shitty comedies, like baby geniuses and direct-to-video stuff. Like mm. his last movie was Karate Dog featuring the voice of Chevy Chase. Wow. Meanwhile, you know, A Christmas Story I don't think did amazing in theaters but became a mainstay and it's like a time-honored classic at this point. I can only hope that he just, you know, didn't worry about 
he didn't have to worry about making big blockbusters because he was getting paid by TBS because they play his movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, 24 hours. Maybe. Hopefully he got some good money out of that deal. Yeah. It does feel like a situation, though, of like when he was, you know, doing everything on his own and had to really try, you know, he made some really interesting stuff. And then as soon as Hollywood like accepted him, it's like he stopped mm-hmm. producing the noteworthy films. But yeah. It's pretty wild, isn't it? Yeah. But like this movie is, I think, uh, you know, obviously a big influence on on films that came after it. And I think it's one of those cases where, you know, it's tough now watching the movie that inspired all the other things you like and know and like seeing it for what it's really worth. Because, you know, back in 1981, when it came out, you didn't have stuff like American Pie and all those other movies we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, while I knew that the scene with the uh, the shower the, uh, where, like, they're peeking at the, the girls in the shower was coming, it's like, I think I had it built up in my head as it was going to be this, like, amazing, funny scene. And then it's fine. It's, you know, it ends mm. up with the fat, ugly female gym teacher, like, yanking on the guy's dick. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I'm sure had people like my uncles howling in the oh, theaters please. back in 1981. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Or like there's all the build up to uh Kim Cattrall's character and why her nickname is Lassie. Right. And like and it, I knew from scene one why she was gonna be called Lassie, but like the character in the movie sure. went through four scenes not getting it until yeah. he finds out. Like a, a very long subplot. Yeah. And then it was just like it went on forever and I was just kinda cringing. I was like, oof. Mm-hmm. This is kinda all back to the not not aging terribly well yeah but i think it's just a case of like we're used to things being like more yeah. snappy and 100 percent. back then just like a- like the the scene in the beginning where before you even really realize that peewee and meat are actually friends when they do the whole egg trick and yep. like trick peewee into smashing an egg on uh on meat's face like back then People probably would have saw that and been like, that's a hilarious trick. I'm going to try that on my friends. <laughs> but nowadays, it's like, uh, I think, uh, is it Jimmy Fallon has a regular game he'll play with his guests when they come on, like celebrity guests, where they they do that. It's like Russian roulette, but with boiled and raw eggs until one of them oh. smashes an egg on their head. I've seen like Tom Cruise do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's not like, the yeah, same, I'm sure, as it was back when it came out. Right, right. Generational. Yeah, and I can appreciate a movie like this and 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 see all that stuff, but it it doesn't work on a guttural level the same way. Right, right. It's intended to. Is there anyone in this movie that went on to do anything else? Kim Cattrall is the only one I can think of. I've thought, man. Um, I mean, uh, pretty much all the guys were in the sequels. There's two sequels to this, and uh, Bob Clark actually directed the second one as well. Okay. Um, but otherwise. No one looked familiar to me. I mean, I looked some of them up, um, and I think the guy that played Meat, because he's, like, a big dude, had, like, a minor career in, like, action movies, like, as not main characters, but maybe, like, toughs or whatever, but... Hired toughs, your favorite. Yeah, hired goons. Goon, uh, yeah, goon number six. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and he'd been in a couple things that I had heard of, but, uh, or even seen, but otherwise, I don't really think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't recognize any other names in the cast, honestly. Those those poor Canadian actors, poor guys. Mm. But yeah, um, 
I, I think I'm getting the feeling from both that you and I kind of both had the same feeling about this movie where it's like we get it, but it just wasn't super effective. Yeah, I just I mean, did you find uh, it funny? Did you ever laugh no. during it once or I I there's a chance I thought I thought I might have chuckled at one line of dialogue, but I can't even remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, nothing was like funny to me. It, again, it was like it felt just kind of weird with all the subplots, and it was almost like bordering on like subgenres within a movie. Because I was, I just thought it just it didn't make me, of course, like bowl over in laughter because mm-hmm. it's just not not our kind of movie, like you said. And then it was particularly serious at times, so it just I'd never it never got into a groove for me. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't like. I, it's got to be one of those kind of things where it's nostalgia. I feel like if you, someone who grew up, watching it, mm-hmm. maybe it would still laugh at it. I would imagine. Yeah, it's yeah. it's also tough a movie like this for someone who is you know wasn't watching movies back when it came out um, and seeing it now, especially since it's dealing with like, you know, sex and, and women and relationships. And it is like a, you know, a filthy comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, Things just feel a little uncouth and dirty, especially in the day and age that we're in now. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about this more with uh, the next two movies as well. Oh yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it's very much, uh, problematic <laughs> yeah just the treatment of women and oh god yeah um like man that wendy character who like uh you know the whole movie they're trying to get peewee laid and uh he apparently wendy this character is like the slut of the school who will just have sex with anyone and she was out on a date with peewee and like this was his big chance but then she was like offended or like thought it was funny that he already had a condom on like under his Mm -hmm. clothes. So like they didn't seal the deal. And then the end, like this, so they go to Porky's to try and get him laid and all this other stuff. And then the end of the movie, it's like, well, the movie's going to end, but we can't let Pee Wee not get laid. So they actually chase down Wendy in the crowd and she's like trying to run away. And they basically Mm -hmm. con her into like, come on, just have sex with the guy. Yeah. It's just, Ah, it feels it's weird. Like, it's very weird, skeevy. It's I mean, it it's gonna come up more, but uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Problematic and the kind of thing that you know. Again, I can look past for the greater good, considering when it came out. But it I cannot deny that it made me feel a little dirty. <laughs> yeah, but uh, at the very least, yeah. So it's different times, man. That is that is absolutely true. Um, anything else to say about Porky's before we move on? Ooh, um, I'll just go quickly say Porky himself. Mm-hmm. When he first shows up, I said that is the biggest man I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> both in in just size, circumference, and height. <laughs> I think he might have been standing on something at one point, but he looked like he was a good three feet taller than all the main characters. <laughs> and I said, "Where did they find this guy?" The actual guy that played Porky was not originally supposed to play him. I guess one of his like bodyguards or one of the bouncers at the club was originally supposed to play Porky, but then the director decided that he wasn't fat enough. 
So I mean, they hired this other guy basically just because he was <laughs> huge. He's good. The guy got to be 500 pounds. Yeah, I mean, his name is Porky. He's huge. He's huge. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. But a good, like, you know, southern jerk villain. Oh, of course. The kind of person or the kind of character that I could have seen M. Emmett Walsh playing a couple years later. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, that's such a good reference. <laughs> uh, I surprise nice. myself every now and then, too. Well played. All right, so shall we move on? Please. All right, jumping ahead three years. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds from 1984. We'll never get into Lambda, Lambda, Lambda now. Yeah, those jocks ruined everything. I say we blow their fucking houses up. No, we can't resort to violence. That'll just bring us down to their level. What do we do? We gotta beat them at their own game. We've got to become the best fraternity on campus. You know, if we win that homecoming carnival, we can take over the presidency of the Greek Council. That would drive them crazy. But Gilbert, if we don't get approved by the Trilands, we won't even be a fraternity. I say we blow the fuckers up. Oh, we can't do that. But you're right. Their action tonight demands an immediate retaliation. And if we don't, we're nothing but the nerds they say we are. I will say that I actually did laugh at this movie a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but like this being kind of like we were saying before, it, it feels weird to even call Porky serious, but like more of a heightened sense of reality where this yeah. almost feels like a real life cartoon. Um, yeah, I don't know. It could be even like the few like distance in years from like 81 to 84. Is that much of a difference? Yeah. And, you know, the fact that this one didn't take place in the 50s. So you had like 80s music, like Thriller plays in this movie and yeah. uh, We Are the Champions plays at the end. It definitely feels more of like a movie of my era, even though it did come out before I was born. But even just the comedic style felt like there must have been like a sea change. Mm-hmm. In movies, it feels like because just the the comedy in Porky's is so different than this one. Yeah, it almost has a weird ignorant innocence, and this movie is not devoid of like uh, uncouth <laughs> sequences oh, sure. that will talk oh, about please. itself. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, just the characters in this movie, like just being a bunch of stereotyped like nerds and outcasts, mm-hmm. uh, I found them much more fun and relatable oh, yeah oh it's a definitely a far better cast of characters and it just goes farther with the comedy and the goofiness where mm-hmm. again it's just it it does not take place in reality so it can be like bigger and crazier and yeah. zanier and definitely just more opportunities for laughs so uh, i'm 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 very this feels like this to me is a movie i would have been sure that everyone has seen <laughs> yeah because i just feel like it was so popular that completely uh, evaded so, me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm very curious to hear your side of things here. Um, I mean, do you want to take a quick uh, synopsis for this one? Uh, sure. Um, it's a nerd's going to college. Uh, <laughs> Done. Yeah. <laughs> you got your two your two main nerds. Their names are escaping me. Lewis right and Gilbert. Thank you, sir. See, I know the characters' names in this one because they were all like unique, and I mm-hmm. I liked yeah, the no. characters. That's a good point. So they're like childhood friends going to college together. Um, as incoming freshmen, they end up in the freshman dorm, of course. 
uh, you get a quick cut to the football team jock uh, fraternity. The Alpha Betas. Alpha Betas, of course. Uh, showing them having their own kind of like uh, Animal House style party, which involves lots of drinking, dancing, loud music, uh, guys jumping off the stairs into giant kiddie pools full of beer. And fireballs. Yeah, and then leads into guys shooting fireballs, which ends up burning down the fraternity. Uh, Cut to, what do you do? You kick all the freshmen out of the freshman dorm so the football team can move in there. And uh, subsequently, the nerds and other freshmen end up in the auditorium. Yeah, the gym. The gym. From there, calamity ensues where some... Most of the other quote-unquote normal freshmen end up, they're allowed to join fraternities, which leaves like the, I don't know, dozen or so nerds left over. <laughs> yeah. You know, they uh, they run afoul of the, the football team in, in the process of making their own fraternity so they can have a house of their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it, it barrels on from there. <laughs> and the whole thing ends in like a typical... 80s comedy cliche of like a big competition on campus where they're like they compete in like physical uh Mm -hmm. stuff and then there's like a big music and skit competition and Mm -hmm. like raise who can raise the most money in a like a carnival charity which caps everything off nicely at the end yeah do you have a favorite nerd (sighs) i think Poindexter might be my favorite. The one that looks like Napoleon Dynamite. Or rather, the one that Napoleon Dynamite looks like. Right. I just liked how weird he was. He didn't talk for most of the movie. Oh, so, you know, like I said, I hadn't seen this in so long that I was like, I don't know if I could have written down all the story beats. But as soon as I was watching, I was like, it's just flooding all back to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that Poindexter... I would never would have said my favorite character at all. I'm not even positive who it would have been. I think I just probably used to laugh at Booger more than anything. Yeah, I liked Booger too. Um, but this time around, man, Poindexter, far and away my favorite. <laughs> well, just that scene when they're watching the video feed of the uh, the naked girls from the sorority, and he gets an erection and just starts like screaming Scream. like he doesn't know what's happening to him. <laughs> yeah, he has that like random scream. <clears throat> he wears those Coke bottle glasses, which I'm sure I never noticed before that like people had to like lead him around yeah. because he couldn't see. And that was actually true. The act who's and it's that guy actor, Timothy Busfield. Who is uh, he? He, you'd know him if you saw his face, Mills. Without the glasses? Yeah. I almost want you just to look him up real quick because he's been in, he's got 74 actor credits. Mm. It's even hard to tell like what you would know him from. Um, well, what are the top see. four if you're on his IMDb? What are the, what are the four that it lists at the oh, top? Um, well, Revenge of the Nerds, Field of Dreams. 30 something which was a show and the west wing well i'm at least aware of all of those not that i could put a face to the name but you'll know his face he's god he's in sneakers he's dick gordon but i don't know how much it's been a while since i've seen sneakers but i do like that movie oh god i just want you to see his face so bad (laughs) anyways he's he's definitely a that guy actor um i mean i was surprised like the two main nerds uh lewis and gilbert 
I didn't recognize them at all, but then come to find out they're both pretty well-known guys. Oh, yeah. One of them Anthony is David Edwards. Carradine's brother, Robert yeah. Carradine. Anthony Edwards was like, he was on ER forever. Yeah, like I, you know, saw ER a little bit back in the day when it was like, I would just catch it on TV. But, you know, you recognize that guy, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, And then, I mean, you got John Goodman in here as the coach. Yeah. Who doesn't like... It clearly is John Goodman, but he just feels like he looks a lot different than anyone would know him. Like, he looks so familiar. And then you're like, it's John Goodman. And just, yeah. It's not a role that fits with him, like, later mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, I think part of it is, you know, this was pre-Roseanne, and he was relatively thin. So, like, oh, yeah. he's thin now that he's older, and he's, like, lost sure. a bunch of weight. But, uh, like, generally, when I picture John Goodman, I'm thinking of, like, King Ralph or the exterminator from Arachnophobia. <laughs> oh, nice. If not uh, yeah, Dan I just Roseanne. Think- I just think of Dan's Roseanne because he seems like so much taller and bigger than everyone. He just looks like a football coach. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect casting. Yeah, for sure. Um, but gosh, I I like the fact that I was, you know, again, having never seen the movie, not really knowing a ton about it. You know, I'd seen parodies of it. And there's an episode of The Simpsons that's an homage to this movie. But, um, you know, I even liked the fact that I, I kind of just assumed it was going to be uh, 12 guys in the group that all look and sound like Lewis, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you've got, you know, in addition to Poindexter, um, you've got like the little kid, uh, Worm, Worm, Wormser. Wormser, who's like kind of a child prodigy. And he's like, he should be in like middle school, but he's going to college because he's so smart. So he doesn't fit in. Right. Um, I mean, you have the the booger character who isn't really a nerd as much as he's just like a stoner pothead loser. Yeah, outcast. Yeah, but like weirdo. I liked the fact that like there was a character like him in the group to add a little variety. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the others are just a little more simple. Like they have an Asian guy, Takashi. So <laughs> there's like some, again, kind of cringeworthy oh. humor with, uh, with him it's and very... the fact that he's Asian. Mm-hmm. And then simultaneously cringeworthy and surprising that they kind of went there and took the risk was the Lamar character mm-hmm. who he's the only black member of the, of the group. And I don't even think there's a black guy in the alpha betas. Like, so he's, he no. almost feels like he's being discriminated upon just because of his race. But at the same time, he is flamboyantly gay mm-hmm. and like even having him to add like a little bit, to like during the scene um where they're having the party right uh he's yep. the only one that has a date and another character's like yeah but it's a guy but like you know he isn't like a social outcast necessarily no. like the other guys he's just different so everybody lumps him in yeah. with them but i don't any no one makes like a big deal about him being gay which was yeah no surprising that is surprising so it's like while they're exploiting that type of character at the same time, I was a little surprised by some of the tact that they showed Mm -hmm. with him. Sure. No, I agree. Um, and then like the fact that, you know, again, he's like, like him and Booger are not the same kind of nerds as everybody else. So like in the dance scene, um, the, uh, one of the nerds puts on like a different song to try and get the party going. And it's like completely inappropriate (laughs) for the moment. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, Lamar is the one who comes over and like actually knows like cool music. So I don't know. There's something about that. It added variety to the group of nerds. And I liked that uh, about it. 
100% I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and plus, Lamar saves the day multiple times later in the movie. Mm-hmm. So he's got some big scenes, which is I can remember laughing my ass off as a kid. So Yeah. Um, you know, you got your typical college movie panty raid scene and... Yeah, even like watching that, I was like, man, panty raids were a thing. Huh? I know. It's hard to even imagine now. <laughs> like, yeah, you would get kicked out of school so fucking fast oh. for something like that now. Oh, please. Get your ass kicked. Yeah. Um, So much of that stuff in this movie, like, you know, I it it played a little weird to me as I'm watching it. But then I was doing a little reading about this movie after the fact, and it's another case kind of like Porky's where it was beloved at the time, but now mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of hold things against it, which, you know, oh. fair fair play. Uh, fittingly, yeah. But um, so the, uh, the one main nerd, Lewis, played by Robert Carradine, like has the hots for the, uh, the blonde cheerleader who is the girlfriend of the main jock. And... Um, Towards the end of the movie, during like the the charity fundraiser thing at the carnival, um, everyone's wearing costumes for some reason, and he steals the mask of the uh, the the main jock guy and goes and like has sex with the blonde chick under the guise that he is the jock, and mm-hmm. then reveals himself afterwards, and it's like that that's pretty much rape <laughs> just that, happened. That, that is flat out rape, and you. You can see a lot. People talk about that a lot online because I came across that myself. But just the way that it's played in the movie is like she finds out and she's horrified for a second. But not even she's he yeah, she, like she, he apparently was so good that she didn't care. And she ends up leaving her boyfriend for him. Yeah. Which makes the movie feel like it's trying to say like, oh, this is OK. But man, that's fucked up, too. That's that's <laughs> again, something that does not fly today, which is just. I don't know, fit with the time? Because I can even remember, that I remember as a kid and not knowing what was happening, just that they were in there, like, thinking they're kissing or something, of course. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't register until you're an adult, and then watching it and then reading about it, and I was like, God damn, me and Megan were watching, I was like, woof. I was like, oh, boy, this is troublesome. And she's like, yeah, I don't remember this either. I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. You know, so, so it's got, so at that point, you know, they so there's the panty raid, they're videotaping girls. Just, yeah, live uh, feed that they're streaming yeah, of all the girls, I mean, like, the, naked. They're the pine contest, they're putting on naked pictures of the girls. Right. The, the, that scene, I'm like, I was like, man, I was like, I think the nerds are the villains in this. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were pushed too far by the jocks. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, these jocks are horrible too, but man, <laughs> this is just a... You know, I didn't even know. I was just like, man, the 80s. You know, just shake my head. The 80s. like, Yeah. Um, so, you know, this movie, it walks an interesting line between, like, weird stuff that feels wrong like that. But again, mm-hmm. I found this one just so much more enjoyable than Porky's just because of the, the yes. tone and the style of it. For sure. Um, just how, you know, it had, like... You know, when the the nerds are trying to find their own house to live in so they can get out of the gym, you know, mm-hmm. they go around and they're looking at all these rooms for rent. Nobody wants to rent to them because they're, you know, nerds. And then they find this house that is like just the most dilapidated piece of shit. But it gives us the opportunity to have a music montage where they like clean up and fix up the house. And, you know, I love a training montage. Yeah. I love so, like a scene like that. Yeah. 
Give um, me that cleaning montage. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, they have a fucking robot sidekick that like wanders around <laughs> mm-hmm. the house, which is mm-hmm. great, like stupid eighties robot stuff. Yep. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It. I mean, w- besides, like you know, of course, like the the stuff that the cringy stuff. But when you think of, I think I really like the final. The final competition stuff was good. Mm-hmm. And especially their like big musical number. Oh yeah, that was great. It was great. I mean, I loved that as a kid, and I still did this time around. <laughs> Point Dexter just... with the fucking spiked up hair, uh, playing like the electric up. violin, like the electric, like <laughs> acting it out hard too. Yeah. Um, the, yeah Lamar rapping, and Lamar and... <laughs> rapping and break dancing. You got like uh, Gilbert and Lewis are kind of like Devo, Devo. <laughs> you know. Uh, their whole thing was cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, Booger was Elvis for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, this is so random. But it was kind of a jam, too, so. Yeah, I dug that. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a fun scene. Versus, like, the very old-timey, simple uh, presentation that the um, that the jocks put on. Yeah. Where they were like hoping they'd bend. get by just on, like, gender-bending their roles because they're, like, manly men. Right. Um. No, no dice, ogre. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the competition scene with the physical stuff, too, was kind of fun. Yeah, the tug of war was one that sticks out. I always thought that was funny. At Lamar with the javelin. You know, <laughs> I remember that being so, like, oh, we've, you know. Uh, that was a little cringy, too, though, because he is, again, flamboyantly gay. And they're yeah. like, oh, Lamar is never going to win the javelin toss. And they're like, oh, well, don't worry. Uh, Wormser is a. He's a, like a whiz at aerodynamics, so he designed a javelin that will <laughs> like, like work well with his limp-wristed throwing yeah. technique. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but then it's almost like he's running with like a big silver floppy dildo. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, just whatever the whoever came up with that, I was like, man, whoever, who, what uh, official let that into play? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't think about that stuff too hard, but uh, it's gonna oh, get even not. worse when we get to the oh, end of ski not. school. <laughs> Yeah, oh God. <laughs> um, so yeah, they did uh, like three sequels to this. Um, Was that that many? I'm, I know I've seen the second one for sure. Yeah, so they did Revenge of the Nerds 2. And I've never seen it, but from what I was reading, um, Anthony Edwards didn't like the script. So he only agreed to come back if he could like film all of his scenes in like one or two days. So oh, that's wow. why they kind of wrote him out of the movie, and he just like is in the beginning and like one other scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, a lot of characters like came and went through the sequels. Like they wouldn't be in two, but then came back for three, or wouldn't be in three, but came back for four. Like hmm. uh, the main jock comes back in one of them, and he plays because I guess one of them. So three and four were TV movies, and hmm. one of those was like Revenge of the Nerds: The New Generation where like a bunch of new nerds were coming into the school and by this point the uh, the jocks kind of get along with the nerds like they let them be mm-hmm. because they've like taken over the uh the the fraternity like council or whatever yeah and um <clears throat> like now uh Robert Carradine's character Lewis is older and he's still like at the school uh like working there or something and so the main jock from the first one comes back and plays like he's now like a towny police officer who gets like put in charge of something at the school so he can fuck with the nerds or 
Oh, wow. Like, it all sounds very basic. And- right, right back to the well. I'll tell you right now, I know why Anthony Edwards wanted no part of the sequel. Hmm. Because the year before, he was Goose in Top Gun. Ah, uh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll do it. That uh, will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting tidbit related to Revenge of the Nerds that I read. Uh, did you read that they uh, they were trying to make a remake of this a couple years ago? Oh, no, I didn't. Well, I guess it's more than a couple now. But in 2007, they actually began filming a, uh, a, a remake of this that was produced by McGee. <laughs> Oh boy. Um and uh so the first college that they went to that they had like agreed to make the movie at uh after they read the script they said no you're not making this here. <laughs> so <laughs> they had to settle for like a much smaller college and then I guess the smaller campus like kind of ruined their filming and after 2 weeks the head of the studio thought that the dailies were trash so they just canceled the movie. Wow, no way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yes, way that makes sense, but mm-hmm. but yeah, we almost got it. a remake of this in two thousand seven. Which how do you how do you remake this movie in two thousand seven? Well, I mean, even by that point, like the superhero craze was happening, and the whole concept of like nerds being yeah. some kind of like generic social outcast that I just don't think that exists anymore. It really doesn't. Maybe I mean, you could get away I'm, with it in two thousand seven, but I mean, we already had like three Spider Man movies by that point. Yeah, I mean, by that time, like, Comic-Con had taken over everything yeah. in Hollywood. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, would that be, yeah. you'd have to be a real good script. And I don't know what that would entail, but for it to even work. Because mm-hmm. especially nowadays, it doesn't work. Yeah, for sure. This is definitely, like, a thing of its time. Yeah, definitely. Which is, you know, enjoyable to a certain degree. But I just, yeah, I, I find it hard to imagine them ever being able to remake this movie at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that'd be dead in the water. The other weird kind of interesting factoid I read about this, sort of related to this movie, is that uh, um, so Robert Carradine and uh, what's his name, Curtis Armstrong, who played Booger, yeah. uh, they actually the two of them conceived of, pitched, produced, and hosted a reality TV game show influenced by Revenge of the Nerds called King of the Nerds on TBS from 2013 to 2015. Wow. Now, I've never seen this show. I knew of its existence because back when it was on, uh, we had, uh, there's this company that from time to time will send us uh, plastic bags at the comic store uh, Mm -hmm. with like imagery from like TV shows and stuff on them as like advertising for whoever's paying them to do this. Okay. And we had bags that had King of the Nerds advertisements on it. Oh, boy. And so I thought it was just a game show kind of thing where you'd have people come on and answer questions about, like, pop culture and video games and nerdy stuff. But apparently it was actually, like, a reality TV show where people would go on and be on a whole season and have to, like, live in a house together, kind of like real world or something, and compete in challenges. Mm-hmm. And it was actually hosted by Booger and Lewis. <laughs> Wow. Like, they actually hosted the show. They were probably chomping at the bit, like, yeah, give me that <laughs> yeah. Give me that reality show money. Meanwhile, Anthony Edwards has just left it behind entirely. Uh-huh. He just probably doesn't want to look at it. Although, now I wonder, I mean, is he going to be back? Because they're making a new Top Gun movie. Uh, No, he's Goose, so I think Goose dies. Oh, does he? Pretty sure. 
It's been a long time since I've seen Top Gun. Yeah, too. I haven't seen that since <laughs> I was a kid. But so I'm sure someone will tell us. Yeah, surely. So, but um, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll Google that guy actor Timothy Busfield, but I don't want, I don't feel like looking up gooses for <laughs> life or death. Sure, we live or die by uh, the uh, incorrect quote unquote facts that we talk uh-huh. about on the show. That's how it's always been with podcasts. I feel. Oh. Perfect. Um, um, I got one thing to say about the nerds, Revenge of the Nerds itself. Uh-huh. What did you think of the final climactic scene where Anthony Edwards is like, you know, pushed into the water and then he grabs the microphone? I loved it. <laughs> Interesting. Did you not? Well, I wasn't crazy about it because it felt kind of like. I don't know, I wasn't crazy about the dialogue, and then I read that it was improvised. Yeah, it definitely by both of them. Definitely so felt like the just, dialogue could have been better, but I mean the the It just felt overly <clears throat> not cringy in the same way, but kind of where Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is I made me like look it up because I was like, this is kind of weird. But like that point in the movie and like the tone of it and what it was getting across and like the whole message of like, you know, if if anybody has ever felt like an outcast or been called names or whatever, like join us up here. Like there's more sure. of us than there are of them. And like, I had like a smile on my face cause I was already enjoying the movie anyway. And that was like the big, you know, I'm a nerd. So it was like the big, like but, nerds, not just getting revenge by like spying on girls naked or like beating someone in a competition, but like the moral victory. And then we are the champions started to play. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, this is just like such the perfect eighties like uh, yeah. cliche that, of these kind of movies. <laughs> that that did save it for me because the way you just even said the line was better, I think, than it is in the movie. But <laughs> yeah, once Queen kicks in, you're just like, yeah, okay, yes. Like every now and then, I would be reminded by the music in this movie of like the era, um, and and I because I think like Porky's was the first one I watched, and that put me into this weird place where it. It was not exactly the movie I thought it was going to be because I didn't know it was going to be a period piece and all that. Mm-hmm. And Ski School was actually the second one I watched, which we'll talk about in a minute. But that one, it you know, it feels like a cheaper movie and like doesn't have like a ton of licensed recognizable music or even actors and people that I recognize in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one, it this felt like the most like mainstream, like quote unquote, big budget of all three of them (laughs) this feels more like the hollywood movie for sure yeah um this one and oddly enough not not that it's a thing i thought about when i was a kid but i feel like i just noticed this time around like it doesn't seem like it's a big budget movie yeah like there's not ton like some of the quote-unquote big scenes i thought of as a kid like the the final showdowns and all that stuff. There's not that many people there. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like extras or I would assume you know. the majority of the money went to the uh the location shooting on the college campus. Yeah. I'd agree. Cause it was I just when I think back of that movie, I'd I never noticed like I did this time about how kind of even small it feels. Mm-hmm. Where I think that just thrown out the window for the second one. Cause from what I remember the second one is like a big a big to do because of this well, one. Well, yeah, so I think popular. this one was a success. So, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, one other thing that I can't believe we haven't mentioned yet that I really liked about this movie is when they decide that they want to become their own fraternity, they have to find a fraternity that will accept them. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the only one that they even get a chance with because they forgot to send a group photo mm-hmm. <laughs> to was Lambda Lambda Lambda, which is like uh, that was a moment that made me laugh when, you know, they're they're talking about how they're going to go meet with Lambda Lambda Lambda. And then the first shot you see is like a photo on the wall, like hanging on the wall of like all of the big guys in the organization and it's all black dudes. Yeah. And I laughed I mean, at that and I was just like, oh, where is this going to go? But then I love mm-hmm. the fact that like they wanted to turn them down at first, but they had to like let them in for like a probationary yeah. period. And then by the end of the movie, it's like they saw the value of these guys mm-hmm. and then like even came to the rescue at the end. Yeah. Came to the rescue. And then when they, they hang up the photo at the end, it's like the best part. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, tri- lambdas. I loved that part of the movie, and just uh, the actor Bernie Casey, who plays the leader of the of the Trilams, mm-hmm. just his like his blank stare. Yeah, I was gonna say his <laughs> lack of facial expressions is great. Yeah, uh, I did love that stuff too. That was really good. Yeah. No. So yeah, well played. I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. Yeah, I did like this one. This was uh, mm-hmm. this was a good bit of fun, uh, cringiness aside at times. Sure, I mean it's it it is every the things people say about it now are one hundred percent accurate. Mm-hmm. But you can still still there's plenty to take away from it. Yeah, that's that's a good time. I would agree. Uh, so shall we move on to our final film? Oh yes, please. Ski School released in nineteen ninety. As of this morning. According to the determination of the board of directors, Dave Marshak is hereby placed on disciplinary suspension. And all of the students enrolled in Section 8 are expelled. Expelled? (laughs) This is ski school. Well, shall we say disqualified then? You guys are way too serious. You can't disqualify us. Does this mean we can't ski in the final competition? Hold it a minute these kids paid good money to come here and buy me expensive imported beers just so they could go home knowing that they have done something good for their fellow man. I am not going to send these kids back to the great towns they came from with the feeling that their rights to be together, have a good time, and yeah, do a little skiing have been usurped. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, Mr. Anton Bryce. And Dave's a great instructor, bud. Then why don't you tell me exactly what it is you've all learned here, then? Well, Dave's taught me, like, a lot of really neat moves. What about you? Well, I'm not exactly sure what I've learned, but how many of you have seen Paulette Buck naked? I have. It's great. I know you have. Wow. Wow. Oh, enough is... Is enough. We don't have to take this. I, I think it's Derek who's been taking it. Shut up! Marshak. You do have to take it. You're not skiing in the final competition. That's final. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a tough one. Um, you know, talked about how I feel like a trope of old comedies is just like pick a premise, be it college, campus, or golf course, or whatever, and then just have a bunch of people write like funny skits, like dealing yes. with those subjects. This one is like that to the extreme because there is hardly a plot in this movie. I'm not, Milzy, I'm being completely honest. 
I'm not sure what the plot is. <laughs> what was the competition for? <clears throat> it just seems so they're basically this one it's not a high school comedy like porky's it's not a college comedy like uh revenge of the nerds it's just like you know yuppies at like a ski resort and um i guess is, there's just a there's a big competition yeah at the resort there are all these they call them sections but it's like different groups of people it almost feels like fraternities and Very. so section one is all the jock full of themselves asshole dudes and then section eight is like the like the loser slacker guys who despite the fact that they don't seem to give a shit about anything and spend all of their time drinking uh they still are like really good skiers (laughs) right but uh yeah so it's just it it you kind of get the feeling that every year there's a big competition within the like i guess there's eight sections maybe there's more like eight groups of people um, it just feels like that there are eight random groups of people who ski and are, have teams at this ski resort, and every year there's a competition. To what end? I have no they, clue. They they don't get into it. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's like it's called ski school, and they have like new recruits, like guys who show up and want to join to like learn to ski, I guess. But then, like the the main new guy, uh, Johnny Roland. Like, he shows up, and he's already, like, the best fucking skier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what is he going to, quote-unquote, school for? And if it was something like the Olympics, or if there was, I don't know, if there's, like, actually, I guess with, like, the X Games and stuff nowadays, there's actually, like, you know, s- professional skiing championships and stuff like that. But, like, right. why was he going to this, quote-unquote, ski school just See, to thought- compete in their fucking thing there? I. You see, I, I don't, I didn't know if it was that or if they, he was like coming on as a new instructor, but they don't tell you, they don't tell you a thing in this movie. Really. I mean, they refer to, uh, the main guy with the eyebrows, uh, Marsh, Marshak. Yeah. They refer to him as like a teacher and there's a point where he goes before like the board or whatever. And he's like, he asks the other guys that are part of the group, like, what have you learned this semester or whatever? But oh, that's right. It, that's right. It never, ever, ever feels like anyone's teaching or learning anything. It just feels like a bunch of already pre-established groups of skiers who have like a random, pointless competition. It, the movie just makes no sense. It feels like it was written in an afternoon. It is senseless. Yeah, it's this is just an excuse to have a bunch of hijinks on and around the slopes. Mostly yes. around, because there's very little time actually spent skiing. I noticed kind of early on with this one, maybe you'll agree, that the two main guys from Section 8, mm-hmm. the one with the eyebrows and the other one. <laughs> Marshak and Fitz. Yeah. Marshak, now I was, I kind of thought he might have been a that guy actor too, I but I didn't like really I'd know anything else he was I fucking eyebrows, like... That guy, like his eyebrows are all you see when you look at his face. Right, for sure. The only th- the only thing I remember when I looked that he was maybe notable for was he was Spicoli in the TV version of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. When I looked him up, all I saw that seemed any kind of noteworthy is that uh, I guess <clears throat> there's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they pay homage to ski school and he's in it. 
he's in that episode. Nice, nice. So you got those two. Now, going back to our episode, Love in the Age of Science, where we talk about, it seems like, or I was just kind of mentioned, I think, at the time where it felt like they would just, like, they made scenes just so, like, those actors could have, like, do zany things and have things to do. Yeah. This felt like it with these two birds, because a lot of the movie is just, like, them, like, being goofy, and it almost feels like someone just off camera was like, all right, do something zany, you know? Or, like, the director was friends with these two guys. He's like, man, you guys are funny. You're always the life of the party. I'm going to put you in a movie. But, yeah, like, the characters do act like they're in a movie, like, just Mm -hmm. with, like, random asides and non sequiturs and... There's one part where they're like, you know, they're jarring at each other with the the section one guys. Mm-hmm. And then eyebrows says something and then he's like, look, a helicopter. And everyone looks around and then he just like starts dancing like helicopter. <laughs> and I like wrote that down because I was like, dude, this movie is a weird i don't even remember that oh <laughs> i just watched this like two days ago and it, it was totally just felt like that was so many times they're just like oh you know we'll get everyone in the room and you guys just gotta like dance funny and do goofy things and like we'll just string those together into this nonsense movie Yeah, like i remember when um at the beginning of the movie when uh johnny roland uh like the new skier who's actually good shows up and he's forced to join uh section eight like the first time he walks into their like little room, whatever the hell it was, like their meeting room, their clubhouse. I think it, yeah, it seems like it's the, you know, the maintenance shed or something. <laughs> yeah, um, Marshak eyebrows is just standing there, reciting Shakespeare while oh. inhaling helium from balloons. Like why this is happening, I don't know. Why he's also doing it my, now, I don't know. Where the why he has the balloons, right. it just I, none of it made sense. It just felt like on the day they thought, you know, it'd be uh-huh. funny, someone talking with helium, right? Oh, multiple times, and I ended up writing it down. There's a lot of Shakespeare in this movie, <laughs> or like kind of like weird quotes they use. I don't even know that first one for sure is Shakespeare. Yeah, it's Hamlet. But, but at other times they're just like use this like nonsense kind of like. It doesn't even like fit the character. It just feels like I guess it's supposed to show that you know there's characters like this in other movies. Of course, none of them are springing to mind at the moment. Where it's like, sure, he's like the slacker, the goofball, the one that doesn't follow the rules and just wants to have fun. But he actually is intelligent, and it's like other people would look at him and say like, "Well, why you're just like wasting your potential?" But he just wants to have fun. it feels like kind of a cop out of a character because he's like perfect. Yeah. Because he is smart and good at something. Yeah. Like creating a leading man. Yeah. It's totally like the ham fisted way of doing all that. Yeah. It's just, Um, it's just goof. It's goofy and zane. It feels very like just 1990 mm -hmm, in the worst way possible. You know, uh, add to that just like the colors, like every ski uniform is bright pink and bright oh, green yeah. and bright orange and bright blue, Yeah, <laughs> which of and course people... is a stylistic thing that I kind of enjoy, but. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, we're into that, but just feel it more so it's like the guys and the way they act. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got like terrible 1990 haircuts. <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, it's a whole this, different kind of cringe with this one. This movie 
sponsored in part by Labot Blue. Oh. Did you I mean I don't know that for for sure, but like did you notice that every time they're drinking beer it's cans of Labot Blue. The <laughs> the, did not. the ski slopes, like the um the slalom that they do, like the slalom is like the the things that they have to go around are like two like flexible poles with like a flag at the top that connects them. They're mm-hmm. all Labot Blue flags. Um, at the end of the movie when they like crash the final competition and they just roll up on the top of the hill with like a sled with just like 800 cans of beer in like cases, it's all Labot Blue. Mm-hmm. It's just like somebody at Labot Blue was like, hey, yeah, we'll give you some money if you drink a shitload of our beer on it, camera. It had to have been. I mean, this, I mean, product placement's been around for a long time. It had to have been. Yeah. Also, this is just a movie where to cap off the end of a scene, a character will just pull a, be- a can of beer out of their pocket and crack it or toss it to a buddy. Like they <laughs> yeah. just always have cans of beer on them. Like they'll be up on yeah. the ski slopes competing and like they'll just like pull a beer out of their pocket. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. God, and we haven't even gotten into like the the subplots with like, so there's a beautiful blonde chick who shows up and. She's kind of interested in the new guy, Johnny, or, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, John Rowland. And so they get together kind of early on, and, uh, you know, they're about to get it on, and one of them is like, so what exactly is this? And the other one's like, I don't know. No strings attached. Like, let's just have mm. fun. And then, of right. course, immediately uh, another, like, super hot chick comes on to John, and then the girl is all pissed off, even though she had said no strings attached, and... That right. just felt like a really poorly written source of drama. Oh, of course. So they string along way too long. Yeah. There's a whole scene where they set up that prank of like the section one guys like getting in bed together. Oh my God. That goes on forever. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the ends did not justify the means on that yeah, one. <laughs> not even close. Um. Yeah, just how fucking complicated was that prank? Yeah. Was bad. I got a question, Mills. Yeah. It was 1990. Mm-hmm. Had snowboarding not been invented yet? I want to say I saw a snowboard somewhere in this movie. No, really? I'm pretty sure I did. Um, because I was thinking the same thing. There was a lot of emphasis on skiing, and I would have thought that snowboarding would have been big at the time. Yeah, same here. I think I saw someone like standing holding a snowboard. I don't think anyone ever rides one, but... Yeah, not a, not a whole lot of snowboard representation in the film. Let's see. It was developed in the United States in the 60s. Became a winter Olympic sport in 98. Oh. So. Maybe I'm mistaken then, but I could have sworn I saw one in the movie. But, I mean, this I, is ski I, school, not snowboard school. Well, sure. I mean, ski school is a better name, but, <laughs> you know. Snowboarding is clearly the cooler of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I digress. Yeah, so this movie, it tries to do all of, like, the tropes of these kind of films. Like, you know, Section 8, the the characters that we follow, they're, despite the fact that they are constantly pulling pranks and just, like, making a mockery of everything and everybody within the institution of this ski school, if it even is a fucking school, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, they're finally going to, like, they're in danger of getting kicked out. Because there's some bullshit in the plot about 
the guy who runs the school, like the head honcho guy who doesn't appear until like two thirds of the way through the movie when it's convenient. He wants to like sell the school for a bunch of money and he's going to cut in the main villain from section one. I guess that he wants section one to win to make the place look good. So it'll be worth more money. But then is he, sell, is he selling like the mountain or the school? I think or the, I mean like the resort, I guess, which maybe the mountain is along with it. Like it sounds like he's just going to like, you know, you know, pay out basically from this thing. Right. Right. And for some reason that involves them having to like expel <laughs> section eight or something like that. And then mm-hmm. just out of the goddamn blue, they introduce that, uh, that like supermodel looking chick Ava who right. looks like a supermodel because she was playboy playmate of the month, August, 1986. Um, mm-hmm. They introduce her character and she's the one that Johnny sleeps with that makes the blonde chick jealous. And like, it seems like she's got some kind of weird motive. And then at the end of the movie, just out of the blue, she buys the school. And since she fucked Johnny earlier, she's on the side of section eight. I don't really understand. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It just felt like they didn't know how to end the movie. So yeah, they just wrote her in at the end. Yeah, the setup for her is non-existent up until that point. Yeah. It feels like they were like, oh, you know, uh, there's this playmate with huge jugs and she's willing to be naked on camera. And then at the end of the movie, they were like, gosh, who can we have by the school? Mm-hmm. Hey, get jugs back in here or something like that. Right. Yeah, that sounds like uh, the people involved with making this movie. That could certainly be their uh, their uh, frame of mind. Yeah, I'm sure. Because like you said, there's not much of a script here. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think a lot of that goofy, dumb shit was just improvised and horrible. I would not have any trouble believing that. Mm-hmm. Um, This one, less cringy because of uh, the treatment of women than the other two. Um, Because there's no like... The rape <laughs> in this one. True. But True. they still definitely, all of the female characters are basically, basically worthless. And, uh, like, yeah. there's, it's like, aside from the main blonde chick, every girl in the movie is just like, anytime a guy approaches her, she's just like all smiles and giggly. Like, what the fuck was the scene where the two main dudes go into like the steam room and they just, they walk in and all the girls, instead of being like, get out of here, we're half naked or whatever, they're just like giggling and they all get up and they start teaching them how to do the lombada. And then they're all dancing in the fucking steam room. Like, what was I'm that saying, scene? Millsy, this movie's full of goofy dancing. I'm telling <laughs> you, they were just like, all right, guys, we're just going to, we're going to be, you know, some be some naked people in the steam room and uh, I don't know, just dance goofy, make people laugh. Yeah. And eyebrows is like, you got it. <laughs> I can do that. I can do <laughs> yeah. that. Um, what is cringy about this movie though, is how homophobic it is. Um, cause they do have that prank, which, you know, could be an innocent enough way to embarrass two guys, like tricking them into getting into bed mm-hmm. together when they're like macho dudes. But then yeah. the rest of the movie, um, whenever one of those two macho dudes who got like tricked into getting into bed together is in a scene, 
um, one of the characters ends up making a crack about him being gay. Yeah, yeah. And it it's just, bad. it gets real uncomfortable real quick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's a, there's a lot, that especially, there's a lot of eye rolling in this movie. Yeah. For me. This is just, you know, we kind of talked about how, you know, Porky's was an independent movie in Canada. Um, they actually produced it under a tax shelter because they couldn't get any studios to pick it up otherwise. <laughs> um, nice. And then it ended up doing really well. So it feels, you know, a little bit cheap, but, you know, for the time, it's, you know, not bad quality wise. And mm-hmm. then Revenge of the Nerds, you know, it's not like a $100 million movie, but as we talked about, it kind of feels like the you know, the the big budget, quote unquote, Hollywood film of the three that we're talking about. Right. This one did get a theatrical release, but this feels like a direct-to-video, like early 90s home video market kind of thing to me. Uh, it's just the feeling yeah, oh, it has, oh God, like yeah. a made-for-TV movie or something. Yeah, you, was this even released in theaters? It was in theaters, yeah. Oh, wow. Because I was sure it wasn't, and then I looked it up and it was. And... Popular enough, probably from home video and rental sales, if I had to guess, to get a sequel. Oh, yeah, it's got to... I had to pull in some money somewhere. Yeah. To do that. But, I mean, (laughs) that's even a thing, like, when I was reading about Bob Clark, when I was looking at Porky's, with uh, Christmas Story, came out, did not get much fanfare, but then uh, constantly being played on television and uh, rentals made it, like, a big the big deal that it is now. Yeah, And I mean, we've seen that thing happen before, like Austin Powers is a classic example at this point where it came out. Nobody knew what to make of it. It bombed in the theater, but then people just giving it a try on video, it became a huge deal and they made two sequels. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? That it bombed. I didn't know it bombed. Yeah. I just remember it being like the most popular thing. Like nobody fucking saw that movie and it wasn't until it came out on VHS that uh, everybody went like bananas for it and then they, they ended up cranking out two sequels. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Huh. But, uh, yeah. So this movie, it just feels cheap. Yes, very. Not a famous person or a recognizable face in the movie, unless you uh, happen to be a big fan of the August 1986 issue of Playboy. Yeah. In that case. Otherwise, nope. Yeah. So... Not a big, not a big fan of this one. I don't think there's much else we can say about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I'm kind of done on skis. Oh, I will say this. Um, mm. <laughs> I was desperate to find something interesting to say about this movie. And mm-hmm. so the director, Damien Lee, mm-hmm. uh, looked at his filmography. Not a whole lot recognizable on there. But the thing that jumped out at me, and I've never seen this movie, going I have to find a way to get it into an episode of Triple Threat Theater. Uh does the does the name Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe, mean anything to you? No, but I hope it soon does. <laughs> uh, released uh, the same year as Ski School in 1990. I believe it is the one and only starring vehicle for Jesse Ventura. Oh, It's like a crazy looking sci-fi movie, um, which I've always wanted to see and I never have. But this guy, the same guy that directed Ski School, directed that. Nice. All right. I'm writing that one down, too. (laughs) And then um, later on, like, this guy has continued to work, Damien Lee, the director. And he is now deep into the the genre, if if that's what you want to call it, of, uh, like, 
A-list or former A-list actors who are in movies that will pop up on store shelves and you've never heard of them before. Oh, yeah. So let me just name you off a couple of these titles, these super generic titles, and who was in them. Hit it. Let me try and guess who was in it first. All right. So 2011, you have a movie called Sacrifice. Nicolas Cage. Nope. Bruce Willis. Nope. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) These could be tough to get, but Christian Slater and Cuba Gooding Jr. (laughs) Oh, okay. 2012, you've got A Dark Truth. Mm, Dark Truth. Catherine Zeta Jones. (laughs) No, these are good guesses, though. (laughs) What do you got? Andy Garcia and Forrest Whitaker. Oh, okay. 2013, you have a movie called Breakout. It's the most generic names ever. They absolutely are. Um, Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> no, but that's a good guess. <laughs> uh, this one has Brendan Fraser and Ethan Supley. Oh, boy. And uh, Ethan. and finally, Fighting Man from 2014. What a name. Oh. This one's got an all-star cast. <laughs> Fighting Man? Yep. Um... This one's got a couple of older guys who are well past their prime and probably just happy to get work. Mm, Chuck Norris? Nope. Mm, You got Louis Gossett Jr., Uh, Michael Ironside, James Caan, and then Fomka Jansen for good measure. Of course. Yeah, just like every movie you click on in the last like 10 years for him is this Uh kind of garbage. Oh, nice. I'm sorry uh, to Chuck Norris that I should never even <laughs> spoke badly of him with those turds. Man, Chuck Norris has uh, too many values. He wouldn't even do a cameo in the first Expendables because he thought it was beneath him. It had The first one had to come out and do well in the box office before he would um, be in the second one. That's my boy Chuck. <laughs> but yeah, that is the extent of the uh, interesting things I have to say about Ski School. Oh, well. So well done. Well done wrapping that up. <laughs> um, shall we go ahead? I have a sneaking suspicion. I know how this is going to go, but shall we go ahead and uh, do our buy, borrow, burn segment? Yes, please. Um, would you like to go first or shall I? I'll go first. Okay. I have sneaking suspicion as well. <laughs> I mean, ski school gets launched into the sun. <laughs> there is not a single redeeming quality of this movie. Burn all copies. Yeah. Like it's it is a worthless movie. It's basically like, just like a it's a joke of a movie. Yeah. Like to even to even the only thing just even after tonight, the only thing that makes me even like kind of want to like remember it as a movie, is that it's mentioned in Always Sunny. <laughs> that's it. That's the only reason I'm even glad I saw this movie. Hmm. With that, um, not that I'm like particularly a fan of it, but that would mean I borrow Porky's because it's just it's a it's better than Ski School. Yep, and. Um, for nostalgic purposes, and there's still some fine qualities of Revenge of the Nerds, regardless of some very problematic parts. 
Yeah, uh, two episodes in a row. I'm going to match you there. I mean, hey. this one's tough to... Uh, I think it's tough to go any other way unless you have like severe nostalgia for Porky's because Porky's, you know, again, I can appreciate it for being the trendsetter that it was. Um, And, you know, it is what it is. I feel like you could say that about all of these movies, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, it's not bad, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, I think like, yeah, I would say the same. And I feel just like Revenge of the Nerds, you know, I there's plenty you can read about it, but the cast of characters is what saves it. Mm-hmm. Especially against the other two cuz yeah. You know, they're devoid of that. All things considered, there's some likable characters, decent over the top villains. It's got a fun tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um there is some cringiness like we talked about but uh, i think that the positives outweigh the negatives on this one for sure Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know it's like a fun movie to watch like you take out one or two like really troublesome scenes like i'm not even gonna you know call the movie out for having a panty raid scene because that's just like a classic thing in this in this genre yeah yeah and it's the that's of the time you know i really do not feel like they did the uh the quote-unquote rape scene with any real negative intentions. Uh, it's just a really unfortunate uh, scene yeah, when you just, view it in a certain context. Yeah, it's just a, a change in the time, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, all in all, I just think that's an enjoyable movie. It actually made me laugh. I had a smile on my face a lot of the time, and there were moments where in my head I was just like, yes, like when fucking... Mm-hmm queen comes on at the end of the movie yeah it feel and it feels like a certainly there's plenty of parts of it that feel like that mid 80s level of comedy yeah which it had a fucking robot yeah it wasn't around in 81 when porgies came out and it had changed completely by the time ski school came out in 1990 yeah it's just weird that like there's only three years difference between Porkies and yeah, and yeah. Revenge of the Nerds, but again, you know, Revenge of the Nerds probably wouldn't have happened, or if it had, it wouldn't have, you know, had the budget and all that it did if it wasn't for Porkies. So yeah, that definitely. right there, I mean, says something. Mm-hmm. And then Ski School, yeah, like I don't despise the movie or anything. It's just uh, <clears throat> it it just doesn't have a lot of value to me. <laughs> it's Ski School does it? It shouldn't have any value, Nelsie. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, like I said, I don't hate it. Like, I could watch it and kind of enjoy it from a "this is no. a bad movie" point of view. Oh, that feels more like Porky's than Ski School. Really? Yeah, no. Ski School. Por- Ski School has that definite like this movie could be an MST3K episode feel to <laughs> oh, me. Yeah, you know, that is a there's history there for you. Yeah, so T three K that you know, I don't have, so that's different. I can handle a movie like this. I didn't watch it and be like, you know, if I had a disc copy of it, I wouldn't be like, I need to break it in half and chuck it <laughs> in the, the fire pit. Oh you wouldn't you wouldn't throw it into the sun like I would. <laughs> for the, you know, the connotation of by borrow burn, yes, I absolutely love your analogy, but um <laughs> I gotcha. But yeah. Hey, two week uh two episodes in a row. Yeah. Look at us. Are we going to go for the hat trick? Oh. Um, I mean, well, yeah, should, I guess we, we have to find, find out, out what we're going to watch first. Yeah. It may be obvious to us when we see it, but. 
Yeah. Uh, go ahead All and right. get that random number generator going. We have uh, 175 trios locked and loaded, ready to go. We have 54. Man, what is it with all the early numbers? I know. Uh, maybe 50 once we've gotten above uh, uh, above 100. 54. Oh. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> um, okay. So this one, this one is called SpyFi. Yes. And I... <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to be able to guess this one, but I would love it's, it if somebody could try and figure it out. Yeah, it's a great name. It's very fitting. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, something tells me we won't match on this one, but I, I don't know. Uh, I'll. I'm very excited. <laughs> I mean, I'm always excited. Well, I'm always excited to just watch whatever fucking three random yeah. movies we end up on. Right. But um, I mean, the the only downside is we're not watching them together. If you think about it. That's true, but yeah, I'm um this this is a good one. <laughs> uh, we if we make it to like episode fifty, we should uh, get together and watch the three movies oh. and record in person. <laughs> oh, I like it. Now that you've said it, we have to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, let me make let me make note of that too. <laughs> we've got what uh, thirty nine movies to go, or thirty nine episodes to go before we can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to do the math, but it'll be a while. <laughs> All right. Well. All right, buddy. So next time we record, we will be uh, reviewing three movies that fall under the vague category of spy-fi, mm-hmm. a term that I will admit I made up. It's <laughs> very good. Um, so yeah, until then, my name is Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger. Thanks for watching. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, 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 happy.